0: happy holidays conceders and thank you for starting up this very special episode of concessions it's our inaugural christmas episode and of course that can mean only one thing it's time to dissect an outrageously grisly and brutal french extreme home invasion slasher film I'm honestly pretty sick and tired of Die Hard dominating the online discourse around its slightly controversial status as a Christmas movie. Die Hard horror fans will tell you that Maury & Bastillo's 2007 viscera-soaked opus Inside captures the true spirit of the holiday. Don't believe me? Listen on and find out why. If you agree with me, go ahead and hit the follow button and give us a rating. It can be your Christmas present to Dan and I. If you think this is a stupid hot take, Come and tell me why I'm wrong on Threads. You can find me at Jared Concessions. You can also find Dan on Twitter at Dan Concedes. Please go over there and tell him to get his butt over to Threads where everyone is actually cool. All right, now it's time to sharpen up our shears and slice open my very favorite cinematic Christmas present, Julianne Marie and Alexandre Bustillo's shocking thrill ride, Inside. Welcome to another episode of The Concessions. I am Dan. And I'm Jared. And today uh, we're going to talk about snatching babies. Mm. Uh, more specifically, By any means necessary. By any means necessary at all. Uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, a fun little ditty. Something I consider uh, just a happy-go-lucky Christmas movie called A La Interior or inside in Fun english the whole which, which i will be referring to the to this movie by the english title from now on so i only butcher the french title once <laughs> i encourage you to try it at least once dan uh but this movie is from 2007 uh right in the middle of the golden age of the new french extremities uh kind of run of horror movies it was directed by the uh, always a duo, uh Alexandre Bustillo and Julien Maury, uh written by Maori, adapted uh, by uh from a story by Bustillo, so kind of writing partners, but Maori did the actual kind of finished product of the screenplay, but it was more kind of developed, punched up by by Bustillo. Stars uh Alessand Paradis as Sarah who is a recently widowed, uh, soon to be mother who is overdue to give birth. She's like well under her 10th month of pregnancy and she's spending Christmas Eve all alone. She's kind of ignoring this concern that she's getting from the folks around her, namely her mother Louise and her boss Jean-Pierre, uh, who is the editor uh, of the publication where Sarah works as a photographer. So she is uh, you know, hours away from inducing labor. She's depressed, she's still bearing the scars that came from the car wreck that killed her husband, uh, of which she was behind the wheel, by the way, which is important later. And so as she's winding down from the evening, she receives an unexpected color, uh, in the form of a very sinister woman clad all in black who doesn't have a name. She's referred to simply as the woman, as La Femme in the credits. And uh, it doesn't take long for us to kind of piece together that La Femme is there for Sarah's baby and she wants it for herself. So uh, kind of your tried and true home invasion, slashery cat and mouse game ensues. And uh La Femme is played, kind of get this out of the way, fucking brilliantly by Beatrice <laughs> Dahl in this movie, who, uh, in my opinion, dabs and claws and burns and impales and uh, squeezes her way into uh, the pantheon of classic horror villains. And
1: and seeing from what I've gotten from interviews from her and what I know about her as a person, probably didn't have to go too far from a regular personality to play this <laughs> character.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so she's either like one of the greatest actors who's ever lived bar none, or she might be just a little bit scary in real life. Yeah, I think this is just a Tuesday for her. Yeah, uh, the thing about her performance is it absolutely, the, the, the success of the movie hinges on how much we believe that uh, <laughs> this woman is capable of just unspeakably grisly acts and uh, mission accomplished. But before we get into like more gushing about the good parts <laughs> of this movie, Dan, what are you drinking tonight? <clears throat> I am drinking an
1: ice cold classic Carl Strauss. Uh, red trolley ale. Purposely, when I was walking uh, up and down the grocery store today, I was like, "A red feels appropriate given the uh, the subject matter, because there is no shortage of the color red that splatters across the screen."
0: Yeah, uh, this is a this is a movie that uh, doesn't have a very broad color palette. There's a lot of uh, various stages of blacks and grays in this movie, except quite a bit of red i'm not drinking red i'm drinking white tonight for also uh you know kind of alignment with tonight i'm drinking a chardonnay oh oh (laughs) man because
1: i was thinking something french and i don't know why my
0: mind i was just thinking beer i wine wine but but less french is that uh this came from a box and (laughs) i'm drinking it out of a pint glass that also has ice in it
1: yeah that's more like tennessee right there this is fancy
0: tennessee (laughs) this is uh this is that deep south french little cajun (laughs) the redneck riviera cajun chardonnay i got over here uh let's kind of just keep the ball rolling i guess we came out right out of the gate having to talk about beatrice doll you know in your words dan like what makes her well i don't want to put words into your mouth i assume you think she was brilliant in this movie but tell me why or why not i guess i mean it comes down to and i think it's it's really the the first two acts really which then sets up
1: for the third one just all hell breaks loose but it's that i believe it's the first shot that she's in the house if you recall that one where she's like just kind of in the background and oh, it, and it wow. has a grainy texture and uh it's like literally just her stature there and how imposing yeah. it is like it's it's something that you would You know, it's a classic cliche of, like, those who are the best at it make it look so easy, Yeah, where she's not doing anything particular. She's really just standing there, and I was horrified at her presence
0: in the house. Yeah, particularly in retrospect, because we know that her performance gets so grandiose, and so, you know, she commits so many repulsive acts on human and animal alike. That's uh, something that will, you know, instantly turn you off from a movie uh yeah probably gotta warn you that uh the pet dies in this yeah no that that shot is i think a couple disclaimers one (laughs) i've seen this movie probably 20 30 Hmm. times i have seen it all of once a few days ago i did not even watch it again in preparation for this i watched the 2016 remake that i've been actively avoiding but i thought uh Maybe I could provide a little bit of extra content for tonight by watching it. So I, I, uh, you know, I took one for the team and I watched that movie so that none of you have to, but you don't either, Dan. Um, so anyway, that, the first the first time I watched this movie, my two takeaways were one, wow, that was one of the most brutal movies I've ever seen. Like m- maybe not the goriest, like as far as just the volume of blood and viscera, but it's one of the. Meanest and most brutal horror movies that I've seen. My second takeaway was wow, that shot where uh, Alice in Paradise, Sarah, is kind of just dozing off on the couch in front of the TV. The TV's kind of filling her subconscious mind with uh, news about the riots that were going mm, on at the mm, time. Mm. And the camera slowly sort of pulls back to reveal what you may interpret as a figure behind her. And the longer you stare, if you squint, you see the figure of La Femme sort of slowly disappearing into the background grain into her kitchen. And that shot stayed with me something fierce. A little bit of skin
1: ink right there.
0: Yeah, well, I mean... The the thing that Marink is constantly threatening you with but never quite provides until the very end is what this movie gives you in the first like 15 minutes (laughs) Um, Yeah uh, This movie is much shorter than Skinnamarink and uh, I love Skinnamarink but a lot more happens in this one And yeah, I, I my you know my just like reference brain immediately uh Picked up on the fact that it's a recreation from a really a- iconic shot from Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, just for a movie that is so just bombastic and how much carnage is strewn around, and um, how you know how thrilling it is. It does begin with a fair amount of exposition, a fair amount of character building, and a couple of pretty terrifying, subtle things. But as the movie goes on, it gets progressively less and less and less and less subtle until. Uh, uh, well, well, we'll get we'll get to there if uh, as we as we provide some criticism. What else did you like about this movie? Um, yeah, and what you're saying about the violence
1: um, reminds me, um, kind of backing up a little bit about the idea of the French extremity. It's coming out at a parallel time, almost. I don't want to say it's a response to, but it's certainly a parallel movement. To uh, what 2000s horrors were doing in the U.S. or the English-speaking yeah. world in general, which is which has been mostly maligned and kind of dismissed away as torture porn. So you know your saws, your hostels, things of that nature. Um, which you know, let's be real, saw movies. They're not. They're not treatises on any sort of you know philosophical outlook or anything like that. That's not why we're going to them. But I, I always do have a problem with people just like. Offhandedly dismissing a whole movement of films or subgenres and like just throwing them immediately in the trash, like they don't have
0: much to say. And and giving it a pejorative name like torture porn or like new French extremity. Both of those names started off uh, as put downs for these respective movements in film uh, around the same time in the kind of early to mid aughts. And Became like they went from criticisms, like a kind of a, just a, you know, critics punching down by dismissing the movies with these sort of pejorative uh, labels. And nowadays, though, people look back at the quote unquote new French extremity or you know, and or the things that are still kind of happening in that movement with a lot of reverence and a lot of nostalgia, um, particularly part... this movie. Yeah, and that's where I think the big difference in why I think something
1: like the French extremity is, while very similar to what you would call, what you could categorize as torture porn here in the States, that's why I think the French extremity has more legs, whereas like, you know, the, the saws in the hostels, like they're, I mean, I guess we're getting a new saw this year, but their, their cultural impact is, on cinema, it doesn't feel nearly as deep. As something like the French extremity, where I mean, hell, uh, directors like, uh, oh, it's my turn to butcher French. Julia de Cornell, Du Cornell.
0: She's um, definitely carrying the torch more than anyone else, presently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I mean, even a lot of horror is like, it's. The idea of, quote unquote, elevated horror or post horror or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, we're going to give you all the grisly thrills, but we've got more on our mind, too. And we're, and we're, we're conscious of the the idea that horror as a genre in, in any context, you can go all the way back to like gothic novels or, or even mythology or fairy tales or something like that. Like it says something about what a particular culture in a particular place in a particular time in a particular part of that culture, what they're afraid of. And what's on their minds? So even the quote-unquote bad or low horror still has a lot to say about where we're at um, as a people at that time. And I'm sure you know torture porn isn't the first you know film movement within horror that to be maligned. Like I mean, you you tell me you're you're more tuned into it. Like I'm sure slashers were immediately like <laughs> offhand just considered stupid popcorn flick for teenagers.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Like if you go back and read um actually so halloween is a good one because it's a microcosm for for all of it uh halloween had a had a interesting journey through the box office and through critical perception and you know that's by no obviously by no means the first slasher like halloween is a byproduct of psycho and black christmas and texas chainsaw massacre but um it kind of was the blueprint for what people pointed out is like that's a slasher and that's like a very basic bitch movie, but uh, yeah, but I mean, obviously pe- people view that movie with a lot of reverence these days, myself included uh, to the max, but when it first came out, it, it was released to like a, to a whimper, like a really, really tiny audience is a small movie, small release didn't really find its audience right away. And it was critically panned that it was simplistic, that it was derivative of those movies that I had just mentioned that the design of it was too simple not enough to look at character not enough like characters to chew on and then uh, a a person who's uh, who i have a lot of respect for whose writing i love who you know sometimes actually didn't go this way on certain horror movies and was kind of on the wrong side of history but roger ebert gave halloween a perfect score oh months after its release halloween was released uh not (laughs) on halloween not even around halloween (laughs) yeah and which is you know kind of an odd marketing decision and maybe a reason why it wasn't initially commercially successful um around halloween it was sort of re-released and that's when roger ebert reviewed it he gave it a perfect score and that sort of it had this like immediate sort of reappraisal in like within like months of its release and uh Anyway, that kicked off like the slasher genre, which uh, everyone kind of pointed everything at like the blame at Halloween, like found all of this trash. It's like literally it's a formula that gets repeated endlessly. Uh, Something that we'll touch on later, like the quote unquote protagonists are just are just, you know, cannon fodder and the actual like protagonist from a narrative sense is the villain. Um, And yeah, anyway, they were dismissed as just trash, like teen sex romp, bloody trash. (laughs) Um, So it's something that happens, you know, over and over and over and over again with the horror genre. I, I don't know enough of like of my history to say that, you know, there's any kind of roots of that that go all the way back to like, you know, the classics of horror literature, but I, I guarantee you someone was clutching their cur- their their pearls oh, over like Dracula. With, yeah,
1: I know with Gothic literature in particular, like it was similar to the slasher where it's like it was sensationalized. It was for it was low class art. It was to titillate. It wasn't to to really, you know, sit there and scratch your chin about important themes of the meaning of being or anything like that. it was no Shakespeare. Well, which right. is funny because Shakespeare even was considered kind of mass art at, the, at
0: his own time too but uh, yeah he was he was a populist writer for sure <laughs> the stephen king of his era he uh, really was if, <laughs> if only a if stephen king also uh directed in and starred in all of his own movies as well as writing the novels <laughs> okay so that actually is a good tie-in to what the french extremity
1: is doing and torture porn too because i mean these movements are very indebted to the slasher, uh, especially Inside. Inside has a ton of the slasher beats, um, and also a, a, a pretty, I would say, a, a cousin of the slasher, which is the home invasion genre. Those two are very much a part of this, and of course, you know, it's it it's very French. So we're gonna French or er, Francify it too. So it's definitely got its own uh, particular style. Where I, I would deign to say that. Whereas the American film scene is more commercial than uh, the French film scene. The French film scene s- takes itself a little more seriously as a slightly more elevated art form.
0: Um, so, a lot, not slightly, way, way, way <laughs> more. <laughs> Ameri- i, mean, I ho- to... hollywood is, is is cartoons for kids compared to the way the french think about themselves and cinematically. So if, you,
1: if you take that same dichotomy like if even in the states horror has a hard or has had a hard time being taken seriously like in france it, it's got to be even more of an uphill battle yeah. in, so Fran- can... in
0: france it's it's not taken uh seriously on a critical level similarly to how horror has been until quite recently here but also uh it, it's not the commercial juggernaut it is here either right and that that's what keeps horror chugging along here is just the dollars that
1: can go oh, out
0: it's a guaranteed win every time if if uh if you know you spend a couple million on a horror movie you're gonna get at least you know 20 30 million back Jason
1: blumhouse certainly has that figured out
0: oh yeah blum does um, what he's doing and and so that like i can
1: see that there's that higher headwind i guess in the face of someone who wants to make something more in a genre like uh, i could see that inspiring within uh the french film scene more of a need to quote unquote say something with your slasher yeah and i think that's what really separates french extremity from torture porn where of course like all movies have something to say they have subtext they have cultural context around it you you simply cannot escape it there are there's good criticism out there analysis saying that a lot of the saw movies Represent our anxieties about 9-11 and our or the in Guantanamo Bay, I think and literally Abu, Abu Ghraib. Yeah, Abu Ghraib. Like literally some of the scenes in Saw were inspired from real life torture scenes that American soldiers were the ones enacting that that torture. So it it's not like these quote unquote trashy horror films have nothing to say and can't say anything. I'm more saying that uh French Extremity, I think, was more deliberate about trying to add uh some wider themes yeah. to their uh ostensibly popcorn flakes i mean i don't know if i want to eat
0: popcorn during this one especially last well, scenes this movie is certainly uh in the realm of the the french extremity at least as it pertains to kind of the run of specifically like traditional horror films that were being made in in the aughts uh this is definitely the most like accessible from just a this is a straightforward exciting thriller would you narrative. make this oh well we can
1: go into one of the one of the points that we want to hit um would you call this the end a good entry point
0: in french extremity where would you start with someone okay the french so the way that people define french extremity it goes it goes way back to the 90s and you know you've got auteurs like claire denis You know in the early 2000s and uh gaspard noah in the in the early 2000s as well that people would kind of lump in there and you know their movies there's sort of these more shocking movies that also have this sort of like you know through like undercurrent of romance perversion of like a like a classic french romance but uh just with like very very shocking elements sort of added in they're not really horror movies right like irreversible is horrific oh my god but it's not really (laughs) a horror movie
1: yeah that's that's Um, what i'm about to say because i'm i'm looking at you know literally the wikipedia page for front new it's called new extremity on wikipedia but it's french extremity um some of these are like we got the piano teacher in here we've got some uh lars von trier in here um yeah you got some Gaspar no but to your point like some of these you're even stretching it to call
0: it horror really they're just very extreme Phil. yeah yeah so like Gaspar noah like i stand alone uh that if you haven't seen it that movie has a uh a countdown that happens to the whole movie and and the whole time you're kind of like wondering what's gonna happen at the end of the countdown and through the movies you start to be able to make pretty qualified assumptions about what's gonna happen and then you just wait. Ugh.
1: Well, I mean, that's uh, irreversible.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. And he he followed that up with irreversible, but (sighs) uh, the point I'm making, you don't really get like traditional horror movies in, you know, that get lumped into the French extremity until the early 2000s. And the movie that I would point out as an entry point that I think was the actual entry point and like kicked off kind of the golden age of horror within the French extremity, uh, Alexander Ayaz or Alexandre, Alexandre Ayaz, High Tension from 2003. I haven't seen that. I heard it's really which good. Which is uh, definitely, uh, if you look at that movie, you see the early, you know, the early DNA of Inside and Martyrs and Frontiers. Mm. That, those are, the and Calfair. Those are kind of like the five that I would point out as like the golden age of horror within the French new extremity. And I would say High Tension's probably the best entry point just because it was like everyone's entry point into these types of movies and you know there's a certain level of just like copycat going on uh, off of that movie but having said that i think inside's the, the most well-crafted just the most satisfying the the thing where it's like kind of like getting bogged down with theme but not fully actually committing to it is something that like i think we're you know we're going to talk about a lot tonight but I, w- I would argue that martyrs is like the worst example of that where it's like uh not nearly as good of a movie as inside or high tension yeah so it's not um, it's not the episode about it but i actually hate martyrs yeah is is that safe to say that that's like the only kind of french extreme like french new extreme horror movie that you've seen
1: um looking at the list at least once again this is just a wikipedia article about it when it comes to proper this is in the horror genre french extreme uh i would say that is the other big one i mean yeah yeah unless you go as late as like raw yeah, like Du Cornell, which you know we could talk about if that still even counts. Hell, even in this, <laughs> she Julia Du uh, Cornell herself is like, ah, the only reason they really link us together is because we're all French. That's really the only, that's the only thing we have uh, together. In um, typical, every director hates being put into genre pigeonholes, so that's pretty standard. But yeah. you know, I, I've I've watched a lot of the stuff that are kind of surround it, but not the proper like these are horror gruesome films made by French people. So like Gaspar No, <laughs> Lars von Trier, uh, yeah, Julia Dequarnau,
0: uh Haneke, like yeah. pretty much now all like. Now, now you're getting into some some Danish men and some some Dutchmen. Well hey, but, it's uh, it's on the list right here. It's, it's on the list of new extremity, but not new French extremity.
1: Well now I'm wondering because these are um, a couple of these uh, like Gaspar no I think he's Argentine or is he Chilean? I th- um, wasn't he he was making his movies in France though, wasn't he? Well, that's what I was gonna Man. ask. Is like, I mean, this is pedantic, but like, okay, so you get Henneke and he makes a film in France. Is that the, is that a French
0: movie? Uh we're, we're gonna get into that when we talk about the remake of Inside as well. But, oh true true. Uh, okay. Let's true. say, well, let's good. say, let's let's just say no. Uh
1: <laughs> but, but uh, yes, to answer your uh, question yeah. martyrs and um and now, now inside. inside.
0: Or yeah,
1: uh, l interior.
0: Uh, a la- a la interior. <laughs> Uh Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, yeah, Inside's probably a good entry point. Uh, if you can stomach this movie, you can stomach murders and high I don't tension. Know, funny or... Games.
1: Do you really think Funny Games doesn't fit into all this?
0: I would yeah, say, a say a lot of anarchy, uh will would would fit in here. I mean, Funny Games is another, you know, obviously really clever subversion of the home invasion genre, like Inside, but they're also very, very, very different movies. Oh yeah. Um, yeah high tension i would say like that that's skipping ahead to recommendations Mm. um if you like inside you are almost certainly going to like high tension approximately as much oh well well, when we get to recommendations i actually
1: have now an anti-recommendation of uh some an american who tried to do the same thing of let's make quote-unquote torture porn but have it say something and oh my god was it bad but anyways, uh, stay tuned for that one.
0: Yeah, sorry that I, I spoiled a, a recommendation so early on. <laughs> um, Alright, so what what else do we like about this movie? Uh, one thing that has to be discussed in this movie is are the practical gore effects Oof. and just the level of brutality in this movie. It, it's interesting because this is a short movie, 82 minutes long, something like that, including credits. The r-rated cut that i originally saw (laughs) because it was the only one that blockbuster video would allow on their shelves and so i i was psyched for this movie and then i didn't realize what i had was a butchered version of it it's like 77 minutes long do you
1: know what uh by the Um, way we're entering spoiler territory i don't know specifically when but we're we're getting there but do you know what got taken out in the Absolutely. Hour? <laughs> yeah,
0: what got taken out is uh, not showing as much of something getting taken out. <gasps> um, so yeah, the C section, kind of the centerpiece gore scene of this movie, full on, unflinching look at a uh, back alley C section, all of its glory. Uh, uh, yeah, basically they just cut probably a solid like two or three minutes of movie right there. There's scene. There's a scene where. Jean Pierre basically gets castrated, like he gets stabbed all the way up oh, into his groin, yeah. and like the scissors move around and that sort of thing. That gets cut later on. That same guy, she puts a pillow over his face and drives the scissors down into it, and like and like really like jerks jerks the scissors around inside of his face. Uh, that just completely gets cut. And then a few seconds here and there of basically every other kill. Oh, and there's a there's a scene where the blinded police officer who. Oh, uh, yeah. Hits like accidentally hits her with his club, and it's just like a whole bunch of like amniotic fluid and blood and everything falls out of Sarah. That's not in the R-rated. And, and cut. to
1: speak to going back to the practical effects,
0: my God, do they look good? Yeah, like and and they don't even look good in the way that a lot of lower budget horror movies look good, where they just they know exactly when to cut away to make sure that they trick your brain into thinking it kept looking good. And like, you know, a lot of a lot of really good movies really expertly use your imagination to enhance their practical effects. Not this movie. You see everything in this movie (laughs) and it doesn't cut away. You see the the action and the aftermath of all of the most horrific things. And yeah, it's uh, impressively realistic with just a touch of like you know, kind of heightened, like a little, uh, a little bit like more than realistic, but still kind of in the realm of realism. I would say Um, they, they stick to
1: that pretty well. I would say until the final 10
0: minutes, then mm -hmm. it just kicks up into cuckoo bananas time. Yeah. With the flamethrower and like the guy getting like stabbed under the armpit (laughs) with the spear. the, The cop just comes back to life with gouged out eyes. Yeah, and you see all the way into like his head with his gouged out eyes. Oh man! What? Oh, and the and the cel- the tracheotomy with the 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 same <gasps> knitting needle that she used to accidentally kill her own mother. Ooh, the, I'm sure that <laughs> Just one. saying this shit out loud is fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm
1: I'm sure there's a whole college thesis right there that someone
0: could probably write about that. The the symbolism loaded right there of uh, accidentally killing her mom and then using that her 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 mom's blood to save her own life (laughs) yeah it all ties into all the symbols and actually i think this might be a good time to to put another disclaimer on this so this movie has really really clear well-defined but also well-discussed already themes around femininity and bodily autonomy and motherhood and uh, the interaction of of women with each other and what kind of with themselves and like their own their own perspectives on on being a nurturing mother and that sort of thing and there's there's a whole lot of it in the movie that's really well well thought out uh, and it's also been really well covered uh, particularly by one other podcast called Faculty of Horror which is uh, the Great podcast, podcast of what amazing uh, podcast of of Alexandra West and. Uh, Andrea uh, Subasic, did I just mispronounce her name? Let's you recoil a little bit. I mean, at least that's how she pronounces her own name in the podcast. Oh, okay, so. great, perfect. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Alexandra wrote literally the book on the new French extremity movement. They go all the way deep. They go all the way into all those themes. So we're gonna we're gonna you know kindly excuse ourselves from that conversation and just listen to it. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that in here, uh, a lot of really neat subtext with the specific like implements of death. Like they point out on the podcast that all the implements are like these very uh, domestic. domestic things, like you toasters, know, like, uh, toasters, toasters, shears, knitting needles. <laughs> yeah, uh, guns. A lot of a lot of gun damage in this movie too. Uh, that's a joke. Anyway, moving
1: on. <laughs> Well, and then like even really- uh, I pointed it out uh, while I was watching, I was taking notes that when uh, Sarah is kind of like, you know, the, the classic moment in a slasher where the, the hunter or the hunted becomes the hunter and they're like standing up for themselves. She not only gets a knife, which is a phallic object, but then attaches it to a giant ass pole to make it just yeah, this a, a giant spear. phallic yeah.
0: object a po- or a pole arm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it gets used. boy, does it ever <laughs> Gratuitously. Yeah, so what what I want to talk about is sort of a criticism because the practical effects on the in the kills are just wild and the level of continuity that was required from all the damage done Ooh. to the characters over the course of the movie is just wild that they were able to pull it off and they they shot the movie in sequence to in order to for that to be even possible. Um, But one thing that, wow, pulls me out of this movie, and it's my least favorite thing from a technical level is (laughs) over the course of the movie, actually, the very first image you see in this movie, and then repeatedly throughout, we get these reaction shots inside of Sarah, the reaction shots of her unborn child reacting to the carnage, and the CGI is bad like i guess it looks like a a baby but there's no sense of scale there's no like it doesn't it doesn't look quite real at all it's very yeah i would cartoonish. almost like, wonder what do you think the directors think about that now yeah well i i wonder what they thought at the time because look this is a gorgeous movie otherwise like uh in a from a certain point of view but those the, that just looks totally like it's from a different movie oh, it reminds so my, me of is it the x-files with the dancing baby or whatever what's the show from the 90s I had oh the that's, yeah 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 i don't I, I know what you're talking about but yeah this this movie is 15 years uh you know <laughs> later than that and the it, it doesn't looks just as good yeah yeah it really does yeah i know what you're talking about one of the earliest <laughs> things i remember from the internet but My question is, why did they insist on including the baby as a character? Well, I think this goes
1: into, if you, uh, I'll give you some space to expound upon it, that the unborn baby is kind of the central character of this whole story. And it's not an accident that this story is on Christmas Eve. So this is a Christmas story that is about a baby being born to a mother that doesn't have a father on Christmas Eve. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that strange, Jared? Do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> I'm
0: so glad you asked. Yeah, and th- this is something that I always go back to on this movie. And uh, I've watched this movie on Christmas. I've shown this movie to other people on Christmas. Like usually, bad person. I yeah, uh, I usually introduce this movie as my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, to an extent, that that's sort of a joke and sort of unfair because you know you, when you hear Christmas movie, you think of. Unless you think of Die Hard, you're thinking of something pretty light, pretty family friendly, uh, you know, not nihilistic bloodbath. The edgiest Uh, you're going to go is Bad Santa. Yeah, exactly. But no, this movie is a Christmas movie in the truest sense that it's a, you know, it's a loose retelling of like the Christian nativity. Like it is like an actual Christmas story. To me, that's like one of the coolest, coolest things like. You know, you've got these three unwise men, cops, who, who you know, come uh, bearing gifts and uh, it doesn't go well for them. You, uh, yeah, you have what is essentially like, a, you know, a kind of virgin birth when, major spoiler alert, LeFemme wins, uh, extracts the baby from Sarah, killing her, claims the baby as her own, and the movie ends in this, like, you know, red light, washed grotesque Mm. tableau or parody of like the classic kind of renaissance Madonna
1: it almost feels like you think like I could see the whole film being birthed out of that
0: idea for a scene
1: it's like how do we get here
0: yeah how do we get like uh, how do we get the Virgin Mary with half of her face melted off holding a baby that you you can't even be quite sure is still alive (laughs) because you don't hear it cry or anything. I remember that scene, that scene's totally silent, right? Like I'm not just remembering that. And yeah. So like to me, Christmas movies are such like, a to, to, to my limited point of view, like such an American thing. Like they all dwell on, you know, some vague notion of, uh, you know, reinforcing family values. They, dwell on capitalism and, you know, the, the pagan rituals that we all know and love and the capitalism that, that keeps it going. And, uh, it, it's either like, you know, some Do vagary of about... a wonderful life
1: does though. Cause I would always say, I've always thought it is strangely subversive in that, uh, well, in that sense.
0: I mean, I think that's the point, but also yeah. like given to enough time, the iconography is still like going shopping that's um, true. but anyway uh I think of Christian or of Christmas movies as just like capitalism disguised as pagan ritual disguised as Christian ritual and let's all be a happy family and 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 watch some some warm fuzzies but this is the like such a subversion of that and literally just like it feels so radical that this is just like the actual like biblical christmas mythology well, and that's that's kind of what's wild too
1: is like the the story it, within its own context of rome at the time that like this is a radical story it like um that story being told in and of itself was a story of revolution like it was a story of toppling the roman empire um that's, yeah. i mean that's part of the the context around i think it's herod is his name um is the local uh, king or ruler? He wants Jesus dead. Like, he want, he's trying to kill every firstborn son because of the, the political threat that this child represents. So, like, yeah, the actual Christmas story in its own contest should be radical, should be disturbing, and should really be something set to try to annihilate the established order.
0: Yeah, 100%. And this movie does that as far (laughs) as getting, nestling itself into the ranks of what constitutes a Christmas movie and just kind of burrowing in there. Um, And that's something when I first saw it, like that was one of my first takeaways back in 2007 was exactly this. And I didn't see a whole lot of discussion about that, but the more and more I see this movie brought up, I think more and more people are bringing it up as, you know, a favorite Christmas movie of theirs, which is, again, the roots of the slasher genre. Like, this movie has the DNA Ooh, of a slasher. Black Christmas. Just, yeah, and and just, like, well, I mean, even beyond Black Christmas, just the idea of taking, like, this warm and fuzzy holiday and just tarnishing it with terror is, you know, that's perennial. Like, that's, like, a hallmark of the slasher genre. Hallmark. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this movie does it. To a greater extent than even. Have we discovered the true? Or sorry, no. Go ahead.
1: Have we discovered the true meaning of Christmas on this podcast?
0: Uh, yeah. You know, it's like selflessness. You know, Sarah has no self at the end. And sometimes you got to melt someone's face off. Just you know, well,
1: unnecessary.
0: Look, look, like uh, you know, kind of reluctant motherhood and martyrdom are central themes in the nativity in this movie that are just jacked all the way up to like biblical proportions and like that's something that uh no i mean literally literally and figuratively amazingly successful as like a holiday themed horror movie even if it's you know they didn't call it christmas or friday the 13th or april fool's day or valentine (laughs) or you know and every single other holiday
1: so let me take your christmas theme and unfortunately be the uh uh, the party pooper in the room, and yeah, got something that really, really didn't work for me. Fight. I- <laughs> um, so, like, uh, it's very clear from the text, it is set on Christmas Eve. France, keep in mind, a deep, well, was a deeply Catholic nation. I mean, it's still very much a part of their culture, they're not nearly as Catholic as they used to be, but like in in the similar ways that the US is still has a deeply christian culture even though christianity is waning in the US France i would say is just a, is further along that path even though they still are very catholic so christmas eve and you know the figure of the mother mary like these are still significant icons within french culture and and th- this kind of creates a good setting for this this background threat that's looming. So to go back to what I was talking about with like you know the saw movies, the hostile movies, the torture porn movement, if you even want to call it that, it these these films had fear, greater social fears going on. So then you ask the question, okay, so what? Are these greater social fears going on in inside in uh, within French filmmaking and the French extremity, which, like I said, is is more concerned about consciously discussing wider themes than their American counterparts? I think that's fair to say. Well, one of the big ones is it, So this is 2007. This is France. If for a little historical context, at that time. They had they're sort of experiencing something similar to what the U.S. is experiencing. It's a wave of Islamophobia. It's a there's a the refugee crisis is going on over there. It wasn't quite as pitched and high key as it is nowadays, um, but it was there and it was mixed in with the war on terror and, and the same sort of scary news we were getting in the U.S. It was also coming into France. And for them in particular, because their proximity is closer to uh, the Middle East, the Muslim world, especially uh, North Africa, and then their colonial history that specifically deals with countries like Algeria and North Africa in general, they have a long, complicated history with the world uh, of the Muslim world. Um, and this is sort of a, a protracted point in the 2000s because of 9-11 and the World on Terror and our, the U.S. invasion in Iraq, and how we pretty much dragged all of our friends along in it, kicking and screaming. But that all goes to say that, uh, without getting into the gory details of it, there are racially motivated riots going on in France at this time, and it is addressed explicitly in this film, where um, I I think it's suburban Paris. Are we supposed to understand that if it's if it's not yep. specifically Paris, it's the burbs, it's the burbs it from the yep. major city, but uh, what? Well, yep. So it is Paris. Okay. So it's suburban Paris, and it's just like I grew up in suburban Chicago, and I got the, the same rhetoric uh, where we are safe in the suburbs. The scary people are in the city. They're sullying it up with their crime and their different ways, and it's so good that we live in this sanctum that's outside of it. So the most terrifying thing that can happen to a well-to-do suburban uh, household is is to see this, you know, this spooky, scary uh, source of crime come out to the suburbs. And when I say spooky, scary, I mean that in a very racially coded way. Like it's it's not subtle, especially not in the 2000s, about who the scary people are. Spoiler: It's no one named Jason. The the spooky, scary people have no one named Jean. <laughs> yeah, the Jasons and Jeans
0: are not who you're supposed to be afraid of. Um, it's not Michael, it's not Freddie. <laughs> it's not Shell, not, not, not Charles or Chucky.
1: <laughs> but anyways, and it works at the, the for I would say what? of 87 minutes for about six, sixty, fifty, fifty of the minutes, it's this imagined, and I want to use that word specifically, imagined looming threat that's existing over all of the characters' lives. Like you were saying earlier, Sarah falls asleep listening to the news the news is talking about uh, all of these riots and all of this chaos and all of this
0: unrest. Um, and, I, I have to actually interject. Not all, She's not even just a, like a passive observer. She actively participates in right. creating yeah. the Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And that actually, uh, like um, one of the, uh, her editor or boss, essentially. Her, her, the editor of the paper that she works for he enters, is, the fir- is the first person to bring it up. And he enters the house of slaughter
1: because basically his motivation for (sighs) that's a good
0: question is to pick up up photos of the riots right well do you also think he's indoor uh i mean every time i see like an attractive young lady and then like an older man you know and he's paying any sort of special attention Uh to her it it, it feels that way yeah yeah. you know i don't think it's explicit in the movie but it's like that's just like because of the implication uh (laughs) i think it's a dynamic that everyone is aware of making this movie um yeah yeah especially because she's like you know she's she's free and single now
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like so how long do i have to wait after her husband dies before i can try and hit her up it's been
0: four months since you accidentally killed your husband how uh Sounds like you're on a dry streak. There. Oh, you and you accidentally killed your mom tonight, too. God, that's going to reset the clock.
1: <laughs> but, anyways, yeah, because he wants, she, oh, that's important to know is she is a photographer. She's, um, and kind of, it seems, yeah, she's a freelancer, but you can tell she's more kind of a guerrilla photographer, kind of
0: trying, uh, she seems to go towards chaos. Yeah, the thing, she, she, yeah, she, but she is in charge of capturing images of those riots. Right. right. And so there's a lot I think like I want to like, kind of get us back on track. There's there's a lot of sort of seeds planted for some really hefty kind of socio-political subtext. And what does the movie actually do with it, Dan? Yes,
1: that's that's my big problem where where it succeeds is even introducing these, I think, adds to uh, a lot of richness to the. Uh, to the mindset of the characters to the sort of fears that you can pick up on everyone involved and i think it actually works very well uh as a commentary when it stays abstract because like like i said these are all suburban uh characters are they seem well to do you don't know their bank accounts they don't run talk about that
0: but we know that we know that sarah lives in a big nice multi-story house in a quiet in, this- na- in, a, in a neighborhood where the riots are not happening yes so all of
1: these and much like with you know american news like it's it's the it bleeds it leads kind of thing where um it they're fest or they're capitalizing on the fear of suburban people who ostensibly will never have to interact with any of this and and just stoking the xenophobic fears of the other in order to keep eyeballs glued on it because they got to sell more ads in the commercial breaks. And so that that's certainly there and it works as a commentary to keep it kind of off in the distance and notice how these characters are uh, a have these fears of it, but b are also exploiting it for their own gain. Like like we said, like that's the uh, Sarah's whole career and the editor's whole career is based off exploiting the, the social unrest. And then, and I'm sure French, uh, a lot of French viewers would be privy to this, um, is like just the greater history of colonialism, of post-colonialism, of why <laughs> there's so many people from the Middle East in France all of a sudden. there, I, I think there would at least... Hey, it's at least something in
0: the air about. Listen, 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 buddy. This is the story of Jesus's birth. There's no room for <laughs> Middle Eastern people well, here. This, yeah, I was like
1: that actually, and it works so well to put that yeah. in a Christmas story. No, a and refugee-
0: that's, that's 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 intentional, right? We like these white these white ladies are reenacting the nativity of you know of of a very Middle Eastern birth, and the one Middle Eastern character not really included. Well, and then even the the Christmas story itself is about refugees.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Mary and Joseph were ostensibly refugees that fell into Bethlehem and, uh, I mean, they gave birth in a manger, which is like a, a freaking outhouse. Yeah. But anyways, and that works. Like that's, and it's also, it fits really well within the invasion or home invasion thriller because it's the idea of like something that you're scared of crossing a border that was never supposed to be allowed. Now, usually, you know, it's strangers in the home. But now it's the imagined other, so the imagined foreigner, the imagined uh, non-Christian or Muslim, uh, coming into the the sacred inner sanctum of the the burbs of the the, the lily-white French suburbs, and that that's like a great parallel, and it works so well until you get to the scene where. Um, basically Sarah learns that Lafemme is batshit crazy and intends to kill her and through the chaos in the bedlam she does get her hands on a phone she calls the cops and she's like help me I'm gonna get stabbed in the face by this crazy lady and she's gonna take my baby that would get a cop to want to
0: swing by that's not really what happens the cop no? she called she called the cops earlier when Lafemme was just sort of oh that's right yeah you're right, you're right you're right right yeah the when the cops this- the cops say that they cannot basically stay around all night to make sure the lady doesn't come back. They have to go and beat up some teenagers of color in the city. Uh but they do come back to do like a wellness check once they've already that's uh, right, you know yeah. once they've already arrested a kid for being Muslim. Uh they come back to check on her and that's when they kind of just happen upon the scene. Right. Yes, that, that is uh, I, it's I, a... It's important that. that it happens that way, that the riots are what take them away from protecting Sarah.
1: Yeah, and, and they do find time uh, out of their busy schedule of uh, oppressing minorities to come by and do their more important job of taking care of rich white women. Uh, <laughs> which I, I shouldn't make light of that because in the context of the story, yeah, they should have helped her. But anyways, so they arrive on the scene, they're in front of the house, and Now you have a living, breathing, actual immigrant in the car. It's no longer an abstract idea. It's no longer this faraway fear that you have of the other. It's a guy. It's a guy in the back of the car. And it's just like in very like clear dialogue. He's like, I don't know why you arrested me. Um, And they're like, just shut up. Like, you know. You'll get your rights later. Blah. Like basic basic film tropes about crooked cops abusing minorities. Um, like yeah, strangely reminiscent of like oh, I've seen this movie in the states a hundred times. So it's yeah, like, oh yeah. It uh, uh, I guess the U.S. doesn't have a uh, monopoly on cop racism. But anyways, so you get this. The introduction at first I was like oh that's really interesting. What are they gonna do with like. There's going to be this clash of like the real living, breathing human being that is a refugee. Well, we don't know if he's a refugee, a foreigner, someone from outside. Um, we don't know much about this guy other than he was uh, brown in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they inexplicably, when they go into the house to check, they they cuff him up and they essentially like leash
0: him yeah, to leash one of the cops. To, the, the, to the, the most attractive, most <laughs> Aryan looking cop. <laughs> i didn't even think about that <laughs> he is particularly like you, yeah there's like, there's like a, there's like a couple like just kind of bald like they're all white but there's a couple of like bald you know and i'm bald so i get to talk shit and call bald people unattractive <laughs> there, you know there's like a, a couple middle-aged bald you know not not super handsome guys that just immediately get eradicated but then uh yeah basically like hitler's favorite cop uh <laughs> leashes the the muslim kid to him and gives him a flashlight to protect himself with and leads him basically into the onto the chopping block.
1: yeah. and then from there he's just like summarily executed as a uh, collateral damage in there, which you know, I in this like this particular plot point has just confounded me all week since I've seen this because I've tried <laughs> to make something of it. and I just feel like I'm putting in. A ton of work to get what I would call the best faith interpretation of this, where it, you can see the house as a metaphor for, you know, upper middle class to upper class white or white French culture altogether. And you have this uh, you have a, a foreign a foreign immigrant, they're all foreign. That's what immigrants are. But he's put into this incredibly violent situation against his will. He doesn't want to be there. He would rather be home. And then uh, he has no agency whatsoever, and then he's just unceremoniously – or well, he's pulled in by a member of the state um, against his will, and then just unceremoniously slaughtered.
0: Yeah, uh, senselessly,
1: like yeah. what caused the riots to begin with. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The actual historical context behind that is so, kind of similar to a George Floyd situation where – yeah, you so, know there had been killings that have been going on for years, and this was just one too many at the right time. That re, re, well, right is kind of a unfortunate word, um, but it's just like it, it was a unrest. Yeah, yeah, that it, it set off a lot of things that were already smoldering, sort similar to the George Floyd protests, right? And and that's just so rife with commentary and rife with exploration on these themes, and and I just feel like. I feel like the directors wanted to say something about it. Well, they clearly wanted to say something about it or else they wouldn't have made the choice to put this in because really outside of that, this is a very self-contained story.
0: Very lean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they it, it kind of just, he does kind of just get reduced to like another lamb for the slaughter. Right. Oh, more, more Christmas over here. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, you know, that, that old chestnut just put more and more and more meat in front of the slasher and let them slash. Uh, yeah, you know, and that's what, that's all I required of this movie personally, but I do, I do hear what you're saying. One thing I want to ask though, do you think there's anything, anything kind of bubbling beneath the surface to the fact that like he's stripped of all agency over and over and over again, right? Um, but even all the way up through his death where he's not even just immediately dispatched. He's made like brain dead first. In that state, they dwell on that fact first that like she basically like strips him of even more agency before so, he even perishes. I is think, there anything there? I think what would have made it
1: work, what would have made all of this click in a way that really would have made it sing, and which is glaring why it's not there, is just if I just had a scene or two from his perspective. From if I even
0: learned his name. I think I would said that even in the essay where like he is he's billed with yeah. a name. The but cops don't you, the cops don't give him, don't actually refer to him by name, like when they're first pulling up to the house. And he's he's, he's
1: literally just a like it, at least as far as this movie goes, he's a chess piece being used by the filmmakers to just kind of say something where he's like, he's not a person in this movie at all. Where if you would have done even mediocre amounts of work to personify him to humanize him to to make him someone before you strip him of his humanity and then push him through this meat grinder like that would have really sent the point through and like ironically and tellingly they're kind of committing the same sin that they're saying all the characters in this movie of like deep like, de- like de- dehumanizing him <laughs> Maybe not full-blown dehumanizing him, but not giving this character uh, the proper amount of dignity that they that they that they're purporting to have for this issue.
0: I see. Yeah, that. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I hear that pretty loudly and clearly. Um, for for me, there's enough to chew on. Just the the simple fact that there that there it is this recreation of the nativity. We do have a Middle Eastern character who basically just like in western religion itself basically strips the what do you mean uh, jesus was white with long brown hair and pretty blue eyes sure he, he looked he, i guarantee you he looked more like the guy that we're talking about in the movie than he did the cop that he was chained to <laughs> um yeah it wasn't like you know this six foot four bg jesus um <laughs> Yeah, well, I I I think there's enough there where it's like basically taking away the Middle Eastern guy's agency is another metaphor for Jesus. It's another metaphor for Chris, like you know this the the whole Christian mythos. For to me, that's enough. Especially since this is a fucking slasher movie, and all they're required to do is just put more and more bodies through the meat grinder. The fact that there's any attempt to provide Historical context and any sort of time capsule for what was happening to me ele- Elevates this so far above and beyond your Friday the 13th or your nightmare on elm streets or your saws or your hostels or any other Torture porn slasher home invasion movie. Well, not any other home invasion movie, but yeah. most yeah. Um, The fact that this movie is such a fucking good just slasher movie and it also has like these sorts of conversations, even if they don't work all the way, which I totally hear you that they don't. To me, that, that elevates this movie into such like a high, like like the highest pantheon of just like gore movies. <laughs> like it's not even like close. Like if you're yeah, judging Yeah, certainly this, in the, you're, the world you're of bloodbaths, that's for sure. Although yeah. what I would ask then
1: is, are you not then kind of taking the same position- as someone who would want to belittle horror uh, where what I'm asking it to do is to be a, a serious art form like it wants to be. And I'm trying well, to hold it to that standard.
0: I mean, yeah. And, you, and I, I to, to me, the fact that you are able to even attempt to mm. mm-hmm. is, is telling that this is a special movie within the slasher genre, especially given its time. Like, yeah I mean, this movie is like a deer for horror this movie is 16 years old it was before the quote unquote elevated horror craze just so stupid but but you know there are like horror movies now are just taken more seriously than they ever were before uh, yeah and and particularly this movie came out in the dead zone between like ghost story and slasher resurgence of the 90s and early aughts but before a24 like the fact that these Mm. movies were made at all is is pretty remarkable the fact that they got a really really high profile you know cesar winning actress to play the fucking slasher in it like yeah this movie kicks ass dude like it it's so good it succeeds to such a high level just as a gory thriller and that the fact that there's anything else layered on it at all is an achievement in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what I, I think for those same reasons, which is why I'm frustrated. Cause I, I, I guess I kind of find it like the student I was uh, in high school and junior high where it's like, I see your potential. <laughs> you're, you're clearly very gifted young man. And I, I see, what you could do, but you're just not quite
0: there. And that's disappointing. Let's talk about that because this is another point. I really think we need to discuss because this, this movie, I think like by any objective measure, this is a really well-regarded movie. This is a movie that is viewed as a classic already, just 16 years later, the, the horror community I'm deep in there online and offline. And this is one of those untouched. Touchable classics. Like, there is no one, no one that like takes takes part in the online discourse about horror movies has anything bad to say about inside. Like, this is just one of like horror fanboys, like just or you know, the, the horror fandoms like golden child's uh, children is uh is inside. I've had enough of my Chardonnay that I'm making up words that don't exist. Um <laughs> but hey, if you drink enough you'll slur enough that you'll start sounding more french anyway this movie is like so successful on a technical level the the gore effects the weight just the way it's shot is just like amazing it's got this like really dark color palette really dark lighting but the contrast is so like specific i did that, like, notice that that color contrast is like it, it's it's ooh. unreal it, it looks so good everything is clear and interesting to look at even though it's just like various shades of black and gray for the most part it, it's amazing like it's an amazing accomplishment it's got great performances this is just a, a very well-made movie and bustillo haven't done it again in the 16 years since these guys were like 24 25 when they made this movie and uh they're in their early 40s now and their filmography since is not great like their follow-up to this can i say
1: something mean yeah i'm not surprised
0: okay well i want to hear more about that uh because i'm going (laughs) to ask you why but like their their movies since then so they right after this movie this movie made a big enough splash that they were Dimension films were based basically was like Rob Zombie doesn't want to direct Halloween two, we need you to direct Halloween two, and they were Rob the Zombie of, needs
1: to direct every Halloween by the way.
0: And they were they were in the middle of developing Halloween two, and then Rob Zombie changed his mind, and they got kicked out, and he made Halloween two, which pretty well loathed movie in the horror community, uh, but that I, I really like. But anyway, they they instead made this movie called Livid, right after this that uh i isn't it never got a proper western release i had to go to the old scarecrow video in seattle and get a region 2 dvd and put it in my my modded original xbox to even Does this watch place still exist
1: scarecrow video
0: oh yeah come down to scarecrow video man wait it's place where amazing. is it in seattle it's in the, it's in the u district off, on roosevelt near the oh, trader joe's amazing. in the planned parenthood um <laughs> you no know, it's uh this it's this like Three, st- no, it's not. No, it's a two story video rental store. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of movies, out of print DVDs and Blu rays, movies that were never released in America that you can go and rent a DVD player in order to actually watch them. Anyway, I did that with Livid, and um, it's al- also has Beatrice Dahl in it in a very small role, but pivotal role. And it's okay. It, it's a very interesting movie. It's not at all like Inside. We we should watch it at some point. I have it on DVD, and I have the means to watch it. Are you asking but, me on a date? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, let's watch Livid. Um, Livid's pretty good, but not, it's not Inside. Like in, Inside's, you know, just a classic. Uh, they then made this movie, Among the Living, which I, I saw twice. I think when it came out, I saw it in the movie theater, and then I saw it again uh, when I was it was available to watch at home, and I. Barely tell you anything about it, and that was like 2013 or 14 or something. Then they made possibly the worst Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie out of a lot of really bad Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre movies. Yeah, a that's prequel a a, competition. A prequel this is just called Leatherface, which is uh it's kind of making sense. It's it's like the Rob Zombie's Halloween, but but leather but Leatherface. It's like Leatherface as just like you know the bullied hick kid yeah it's stripper, a good mom, example of an origin movie. story that should not have ever happened fucking terrible i haven't seen the movie that they followed that up with uh i plan to watch it it's on shutter um i forget Newport? the name of it what is it the deep house from 2021. Nope. no 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 i've seen the deep house oh, seen that one. um yeah, yeah. no the the movie that they made before the deep house but after Leatherface. Uh-huh. i haven't seen uh but i intend to but uh the deep oh, house oh yeah, Candisha. It's on Shutter. I'm gonna watch it at some point because it's. You know, I'm a completionist and I've seen all their other movies, but uh, the Deep House again. It was like, is okay. Nothing like Inside. You know, it, it's fine. Like forgetful or you know forgettable movie. Like, why have they not made another classic film?
1: I'll tell you why. Please, I do. Know why? Because they half baked their ideas.
0: Well, they okay. Have- it, okay, but just but they're obviously marvelous technical directors. Why have they not been like thrown like a, a blacklist script by Hollywood to just you know make it so sing? That's, that's exactly what I would do with
1: directors like this. Excellent technicians, solid storytellers. I mean, given their track record now, I was, I was kind of going through the other films they made as you were saying that I'm, I've got it pulled up over here where I mean, it kind of seems like that band that has one incredible album. Where all of their best ideas were shoved in there, and they just yeah.
0: <laughs> they can't keep if, that up. If you look at yeah, if you look at their filmography on Wikipedia, it's like you know the the entry for Inside is like nice and thick because it's got all the notes with the awards they won and everything, and then everything else is just you know a single cell for <laughs> for the rest.
1: Yeah, I mean they had what like they which you know that's more
0: idea good ideas than I'll ever have in my life. They had one really good movie in them yeah i mean and it's such a it's such a simple thing like I've, I've seen lifetime movies that deal with you know fetal abduction um <laughs> wait that that would be a fun uh theme to go on is do a whole month of lifetime horror i seem to remember a movie on lifetime that starred rosie o'donnell as a lady who stole another lady's baby anyway <laughs> it's, it's not like an original idea i guess yeah, like yeah, yeah. setting it at christmas and making it like so like a, a loose retelling of you know jesus's birth is is kind of radical well, and, and also cool, forcing like,
1: you to look at someone rip someone's guts open and pull a baby out that's pretty
0: novel uh, okay like uh, but you know it's a it's a very simple <laughs> yes yes yeah, yeah, yeah. idea with a complicated execution and they did it remarkably well why haven't they been hired by hollywood to make something better than leatherface well i was about to say hollywood tried they gave him a shot <laughs> I mean, but that's not really a shot if the script is that bad. Well, yeah. Did they, looking, did they write it or did they write it? They I'm, yeah. I'm looking at that right now. Uh, the directors, the writers was Seth M. Sherwood. Okay, so it is so it is an actual like script that was churned out through Hollywood, Which, and he only convention. wrote at
1: least via Letterbox. He wrote one other movie called Hellfest from 2018. Yeah, uh, that, Hellfest.
0: Hellfest was pretty well received, I think. Uh, at least Letterbox says two point six, but what do those oh, nerds okay. know? Yeah, in in like in horror terms, that's like a three point six. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's gonna be like a genre th- thriller. If it's if it's even flirting with a three, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, these guys are still young, right? <laughs> like they made their their breakout hit sixteen years ago, and they're still like forty. There's, I, I'm excited for whatever they do in the future. I really hope. That uh either they have another real big spark of of inspiration like inside, or they're uh they're hired to really bring to life a good script. Um, because it blows my mind that they haven't done anything like nearly as good.
1: See that that, that is surprising because like I said earlier, I'm actually not very surprised.
0: But like like what other directors can you think of where it's like they're their first movie is like viewed as a classic and then they just never made another good one.
1: That's a good question actually.
0: But yeah, they just like, they have
1: one really huge. That's that's funny that like music is full of examples of that where someone has one album that's just iconic or one single that's iconic and just can't recapture that
0: magic. Uh, Yeah. The sophomore slump is like, is it's a film term, not a movie term sophomore slump's a music term yeah not a movie oh, sorry not a, yeah, yeah, yeah not music a movie for- term yeah, yeah yeah, like most directors kind of improve over time yeah, <laughs> yeah, as they get access to more resources uh, uh oh well i mean
1: uh hearkening back to earlier episodes it's not exactly a one movie and then fade but m night Shyamalan, it's kind of yeah. not been able to capture his same magic
0: yeah that, that's a good point
1: he's a good example actually but he, don't, but that's not. He didn't have just one. He had, I would say, like three or four, and then it started. Uh, yep. And now um, I'm now just looking through random ass movies and seeing. Yeah.
0: It. Hey, uh, I want to tell you all about the, the the Spanish remake of this movie. Oh yes, well, do. the Spanish-made but English-language American-set remake of this movie, <laughs> uh, which I, I don't understand. But uh, while I'm doing that, and I'll, I'll have you comment on a movie you haven't seen as I describe it to you, but I need you to start to think about how, how we can tie this movie into Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. Oh,
1: oh, oh. The, the good, this inside, not the American remake. I was like,
0: how on? No, earth? no, 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 no. We're going to need to, you're, I, I'm going to need you to think about how this movie uh, <laughs> relates to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh. But while, while I tell you about it, I need to tell you uh i i was uh champing at the bit to to interject while you were saying that you were um uh talking about how you grew up in the chicago suburbs you were relating it back Mm -hmm. to this movie the remake takes place in the chicago suburbs a good place Uh, for slashers by the way yeah 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 halloween 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 yeah in a fictional chicago suburb but a chicago (laughs) suburb um so and home uh, alone a classic slasher (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's there's some shared shared life definitely between a home this invasion. Movie, this movie and Home Alone. Uh <laughs> I mean What's this right is right? movie this is kind of this movie's kind of a combination of Home Alone and Home Alone 2, which is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Actually, Home Alone 1 has some Christmas in it too, but Home Alone 2 has more Christmas in it. Oh my god. Um okay, so the remake is really sanitized. Like you're probably not surprised to hear the gore is dialed way, way down. A lot of like for the first two acts. The beats are like mostly the same or, or at least parallel, but just not as much gushiness. Uh except a couple things that they they introduce in this movie. So they try to make it a little bit more grounded and believable. Whereas we were saying earlier, the original is sort of like a heightened realism where it takes like a realistic scenario, realistic brutality, and just kind of dials it up a little bit past the point of belief. Um, And it's sort of filmic, like you don't really get like, you know, you can't really say, well, that wouldn't happen in real life, like to to the original inside. But this movie tries to, like, make it so you can't. So, like, for instance, uh, in in the original movie, uh, it always, like, cracked me up in a in a weird way that the that Lefemme doesn't really have a plan. Her plan is to break in and just start to cut into a sleeping pregnant woman's stomach and hope that she doesn't fight back. Hey, hey she does sanitize it first yeah okay but in this movie she gets chloro <laughs> she chloroforms sarah in her sleep mm. she hooks her up to an iv to try to keep her asleep she puts oxytocin in there which if you don't know it's the um it's the medication that uh, is given to women to induce labor oh does um, it? oxytocin is is the thing that you get when you start to go into right. a forced I mean, labor
1: i'm aware of what oxy can do but i didn't know it was you're
0: thinking you're thinking of Oxycontin. oh yeah i am uh oxy but anyway she hooks her up to oxytocin <laughs> but then somehow sarah just wakes up and starts to fight back but right. like so so like she throws in with like a plan right um she's kind of got, got like this more of like a nurse vibe more of a motherly vibe sarah is deaf from the car accident in this what? movie which is a uh, kind of a ripoff of Mike Flanagan's hush, which is a home invasion movie with a, a deaf lady versus a like a slasher kind of guy. And they kind of use that up. Uh, instead of her boss coming, she has a, she has gay neighbors who hmm. come in and, you know, get killed because they're gay. <laughs> I mean, what could they expect being gay in a horror movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny. It's like it has nothing to do with anything, but they still really like harp on it. Like it's still like, he when they get to the scene where Lafemme is trying is like basically saying that she's the mom uh the guy just like takes it upon himself to basically like be like by the way i have a husband next door <laughs> not a wife like is it, it meant for laughs or is it meant no no life? i mean he doesn't say it exactly like that but he but he just happened he just met, goes out of his way to mention that he's gay even though, though it's no bearing on the conversation that he's having Uh, just so you know, she just so you know, it's the gay guys that are getting killed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It reminds me, John Oliver did this bit on AI this, this past week where it shows like this therapy robot where it's like this AI is trained to like tell, you know, talk about its mental health problems with a therapist Mm -hmm. and the AI, you know, it's going, it's going off of just, you know, it's, it's generative AI. So it's just going off of the text that it's been fed. Uh, So it's saying like, you know, I have trouble uh, like with people staring at me. I don't like taking public transportation because it, you know, puts me around too many other people. And I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and it like I I saw that, and then I watched the Inside remake, and it was like, oh, that's the exact same thing that happens. Same energy. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, the biggest change is the third act is totally different. Huh. After the after the cops are dispatched, Sarah makes it out of her house. She gets into her car tries to drive away she does the thing in every horror movie where instead of driving away she drives into a tree and uh runs out of the car runs into like her the neighbor's house on the other side of the street goes in there and realizes that it's la Femme's house. house oh, no. her neighbor is, has been set up in this house like you know surveilling her for months mm, across the street since the car accident They continue their fight out there. There's a pool in the back that's covered with, you know, a tarp where, you know, if it's, you know, like that you used to cover your pool. And it's like one of those where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you better not like fall onto it because you're going to drown for sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway, she goes on it, does the thing where she's threatening the baby, like basically, you will come any closer and I'm going to, you know, kill the baby. Right. And uh, which happens in in the original too. But here they kind of get into a, a scrap on the in the pool. And Sarah is gonna drown, and somehow, Lafemme like sacrifices herself to save Sarah. Oh God! And so so the baby won't die. Ugh. Yeah, Hollywood fucking garbage. <laughs> Even though it's a Spanish movie, they did their best to like turn it back and do a fucking like feel good hit of the summer. Tell yeah, me what you
1: think about that, Dan. I hate to see it. Uh, yeah, well as I said, as frustrated as I am with um because i i was a little frustrated with like the last 10 to 15 minutes where it goes full gonzo and like almost giallo levels or style like
0: just mayhem and blood pattern yeah. stuff uh, a lot of actually while we're on the subject a lot of argento in this movie oh there's yeah a, there's Tons. a shot there's, yeah there's a shot where la femme is still on the outside she's smoking her cigarette we see a quick point of view from her point of view just her gloved hand Ooh. just like uh kind of caressing the window uh, with the rain kind of batting on it. And it's very Argento, just the gloved hand. You see the exact same thing with, in James Wan's
1: malignant. too. I, I immediately texted like four or five of my friends who I was like, I know your weird ass has very destructive taste in women. You need to see inside so you can find oh, a new... Beatrice uh, doll is sexy <laughs> in this movie. Uh, men with... Uh, Men with uh, poor taste or dangerous. Taste in women, go see inside and find your new, your new goddess.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's a single mom. Look, she's ready to mingle. Single, ready to mingle. Single mom. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that but, also, mean- but also, but uh, also, but excuse me. Like also, there's uh, when Sarah stabs her mom with the knitting needle, and the mm. blood kind of squirts out, and it like sort of paints the walls. She's like walking down the hall that's taken like directly from, I think it's deep red. Um, Yes. That feels right. Yeah. uh, Anyway. uh, Yeah. Talk about the, the, how this movie goes full gonzo at the end and how it at least isn't the remake.
1: Yeah. I mean the gonzo bit, like I at least like understood it. It wasn't like how I personally would end it because of how I would say (sighs) the tone of most of the movie, like you said, it's only slightly heightened. It's, it's strangely matter of fact where especially in contrast to American slashers, where, like you were saying, um, it spends a lot of time looking at the aftermath of a massacre and, like, the actual effects that this has on people and, and, like, the like in the true sense of the word, the actual body horror behind all that. They're not just, like, slashed once and then they spin off and fall out of screen. Like, you see them writhe and suffer and squirm, and you have to grapple with that as a viewer. And so like when it does take the turn to just nutso cuckoo, like it, it feels funny to me. Uh,
0: which is not the tone. You're talking, I about, think and, it was you're going talking about you're talking about the big spear and the flamethrower. Yeah, and once the, we get to uh, that bit it's the, like the C section.
1: Yeah, it, oh, well. Yeah, and then it, it it goes right back to that for the C section. It goes straight Gaspar no. So uh, the C
0: section, though, to me, that's like the most interesting you know, moment of violence because It's surprisingly not violent at that point. They've both calm, yeah. At that point, they've come together and kind of decided to save the baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like they're both just completely like fucked up beyond recognition, (laughs) and uh, they kind of come together. And there's, it's almost like gentle, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like it's very subdued for what's ostensibly probably the most horrifying scene in the whole film or what I would say is the most violating thing that anyone's done to anyone in this film or you know right. that's a real high bar to clear because there are some awful things that happen in this movie well when it comes to just what viscerally makes you feel the most violated watching huh. yeah, it, it has it's the, actually... the scene with the most viscera <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 It's it's simultaneously yeah the most gruesome scene and also the most serene depiction yeah. of
0: violence even like at the end once the baby's out and she's just bleeding out and you see all of the blood and all of like all of her just cascading down the scared stairway really
1: even irritating.
0: yeah it's oddly comfortable which is what i was the point i was trying to make like you pointed out in my essay like i wouldn't really describe that as comforting or comfortable um it is like it, it's oddly a weird happy ending like not not happy but like they set up la femme as like the narrative protagonist where it's she like has an ob- she oh that gets tied she has an objective to get the baby and to she does huh? and when she does it the the tone is very serene and like victorious in a way um and it, it's odd it's unsettling but it's also kind of pretty Yeah. Oh, especially that final scene where she's holding the baby and like, yeah, where she she, she is and she's the Virgin Mary, like manifest. And that's
1: what makes it so horrifying is because it's pretty beautiful of the shot. And especially given, like you were saying, like the story that took to get there and all, it has all the same beats of stories that we find a lot of solace and comfort in, but it's so perverted from that. Yeah. It's neat. (laughs) I just think it's neat. (laughs) <laughs> um but wait oh so to say why i still why i still like the gonzo ending better than oh sorry Hollywood ending um because yeah just like stick to your guns don't don't shy away if you're like you've you've started
0: on this path don't look okay, okay. Yeah, don't cut it short here's why it's weird to cut it short at this point sarah has accidentally killed her husband she has accidentally killed her own mother she has been put through and had already been put through a life-altering or potentially life-ending trauma in the first couple minutes of the movie. And then she—that that is increased tenfold during the movie. So, like, is it really a happy ending that she, you know, she survives and gives birth to her baby? I wouldn't like, what want to survive that. I'm what up- is her life now?
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's also when you even think of it just as something that's going to be uh, marketed and sold as a commercial product. Like, this is a remake of L'Interior. The core audience are going to be people who are into that shit.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, wh- well, why would you make it that right? Like, of course. Alert. <laughs> the inside remake didn't find an audience. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and because the one like, that it did does not care for it much.
1: Because, and that's, that's something with like remakes in general, like, like uh, you know, right now the hot button, not the hot button, or I guess a couple of weeks ago it was when it's at its height, is like why Velma was so just like disgusting to everyone, because it hated people who liked the original.
0: Like Renewed for a second season, by the way.
1: I, yeah, I know. Which is why I have a very firm policy, I do not hate watch, because that's what happens when you hate watch, you get more Velma. I've been tempted to watch Velma. I will not do it on principle because then you get a season two of Velma. Don't reward that
0: behavior. What are we recommending? So I, I already touched on one of mine. You already touched on one of yours. The one. Oh, that can I'm I get my say...
1: anti-recommendation first? Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, so Ant-Man uh, was a good example. One of the first ones where um, it was a movie I didn't care for. So I recommended something that tried to do what they did, but it worked. This is, now I'm going to do the opposite, where this, you know, for all its inconsistencies, I would say worked more than it didn't. But here's an example of a movie that absolutely didn't work. Uh, It's a grisly, violent, torture porn film that is attempting to say something about society. Uh, Spiral. Garbage. So (laughs) Bad. Such, Such a, a bad do you mean movie. spiral
0: from the book of Saw starring Chris Rock? Bad. Bad, bad, bad. Nothing and redeemable.
1: Uh, actually, don't watch it. So, this is uh this is my recommendation to spare you time. But cops it, are bad. Except for the good I mean, one. They are okay, except for the good one. Yeah. <laughs> except for <laughs> oh you, Chris. Spiral is so bad. It's I'm so excited it, to do saw. What ten? Yeah. Yeah. So every October I only watch horror movies and I always try to like as a part of it, I try to run through a franchise. And for some reason this year I just I guess I hated myself. So I decided to do Saw. Last year? Yeah. Or yeah, in 2022. Um so I watch all nine Saws in about a week. And that was a bad uh, week for my mental health.
0: What are we gonna do this this October? Friday the thirteenth? Can we watch all the Friday the thirteenth? Uh
1: I think we we talked about we can talk about more off air. Um but there was one that, like, it's coming out with a new installment and I haven't seen or something like that, but we'll figure it out. Um, you're doing Scream right now. But yeah, that's, I'm, that's... I'm three
0: Screams deep. I need to watch four and five. i I'm you, not... just, you just watched the worst Scream by far. Yeah, three, three was not very good. Three is so much worse than all of the other ones. It's not even close. There's a huge gap between three and the second worst Scream movie. Oh,
1: that's good to hear because I almost anticipated, like, you know, it feels like a normal thing for franchises where you have, like, it's their core trilogy or trilogy or whatever. Then it takes a break and it reboots. And nine times out of ten, the reboot is garbage. No, the Scream reboot is
0: is definitely better than three. Honestly, Honestly, I'm going to watch know. that once we get off this. Oh, cool. Okay, so my, my recommendation. Oh, yeah, what's your, what's okay, your yeah. positive recommendation? Yeah, if you like, okay, both of mine are positive. Like, if you liked Inside, you're probably going to like High Tension uh inside is certainly wouldn't exist if high tension hadn't been successful and uh high tension is a great great gross movie it's fun it's thrilling it's aptly titled is a high tension Ah. movie and uh one thing about high tension without spoiling anything um a lot of people are turned off by the there, there is a big like Shyamalan pull the rug out from under you gotcha twist that a lot of people it kind of hurt hurts their enjoyment of the Mm -hmm. movie i would say they're wrong and that they really (laughs) need to like if they feel that way watch the movie a second time because it's actually pretty well developed Mm -hmm. in in Mm -hmm. retrospect which i would say Um, that's the exact that's a
1: marker of a great pull the rug that you can watch it again after you know it's gonna
0: happen yeah 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 high tension has a really really outlandish pull the rug which also uh, that's a shame now i know that there's a big twist in high tension i'm sorry man i just i just any things i I, I do for the good listeners of this podcast listen it's fine like if you guess what it is that's what i'm trying to tell you to do anyways like see like when it happens it seems like it doesn't make sense but i promise you it does Hmm. um what, what's your other recommendation so actually i've just changed it in the middle of you talking about high tension it was going to be
1: julia de cornell's raw because so good uh raw is definitely a it's indebted to the french extremity if you're going to say the peak of it is the 2000s and the early teens um and then you know her follow-up Titan, like while they're you know they're they're more they're leaving straight up horror even though these are gruesome gruesome films um they're more. They're more in the quote-unquote elevated horror space yeah. with this concerns. But I'm gonna go the other way before the French extremity, before torture porn. Not even in the West, a gruesome ass movie
0: audition. Oh my <laughs> oh, god! Yes, sir. <laughs> that oh. movie. <laughs> okay, audition is a is a. Uh, it's a delightful romantic comedy about a widower who <laughs> happens to have a friend who is a producer of television and movies, and he decides to have an audition for his new girlfriend. Uh, and it's such a delightful romp. It it's also a little features a woman on that filter. could kill me, and I would still marry her. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, If you're watching Audition, you know that it's a, a, a gruesome horror movie at this point, but Audition has one of the best... Pull the rug out moment. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> if you don't know what movie you're watching, and you the, start the to watch unquote, it "shit hits the fan," scene woof. is I mean, no, it really does go from like a quirky romantic comedy to uh, a <laughs> fucking nightmare. Where uh, this one, was like my
1: strangely my like sixth or seventh Takashi Miike film. Yeah, I like, couldn't find it for a while.
0: Uh, I think it's his best, personally. Um, his a movie that you, a movie that you uh, mentioned earlier, just in the context of torture porn, is Hostel. Hostel oh. is is highly indebted to Audition.
1: Well, and, and um,
0: Takashi Mike is in one of the. Yeah. I don't know if it's hostile, but one of the Hostels. It's it's the first one. Um, because Hostel does the same thing. The first like 30, 40 minutes of Hostel is just like a like a sort of like a stoner comedy or like a like a frat boy comedy mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's like a euro trip or like a road trip or yeah, something so like that too, yeah and until the shit hits the fan and it becomes a completely different movie it's so indebted to audition in that way that eli roth points this out by having takashi T- Mike cameo in the movie oh
1: which um takashi Mike in general like the more like just learn things about takashi Mike and the kind of guy he is the more you learn um, the more you fall in love with this man <laughs> he is uh, batshit crazy and he has made so many movies. He, like as of is, right now in March of 2023, he's made hundred and
0: thirteen. Yeah, you recently watched The Happiness of the Katakuris, right?
1: Oh, some it's at Sif. I meant to tell you that.
0: Right I saw, now. yeah, I know it is. Yeah. I yep, I keep I keep track of those things. I've seen it enough times. I don't need to see it in public. it's big so group in public. Much fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um I've been thinking more about the intersection between like American movies and the French new extremity. And so the movie that I want to point out is one of the, I think it's the only example I can think of, of an American movie that is like completely indebted to movies like inside and high tension and basically American like very successfully Americanizes the aesthetics of the French new extremity. I don't know what to say. It's called green room. Oh,
1: green uh, room. Oh yeah.
0: That doesn't green room. Like doesn't green room have like the hallmarks of this type of movie just as far as the, how extreme the violence gets and how, um, contained like the thriller aspects are and as well as like the kind of the the social context yeah that's a that's a great pick green room Um, yeah green room is the movie that i can think of that's the most like inside i would say the only difference between something like green room and something like uh
1: french extremity well and actually i wouldn't even maybe later french extremity films i would say that's not the case but green room is funnier some French extremity films are just oppressive, like just brutally oppressive, uh, where Green Room is like, it's, I mean, in a very macabre way, it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I could see that, but it—it it is relentlessly brutal. And oh, yeah. It shows you all of the brutality. Yeah, it is a good movie. Um, one of the underlook, like when people kind of classify movies as an A24 movie because A24, you know, decided it would be a good investment to buy the movie and distribute it. Green Room doesn't get talked about as much uh, compared to some of the other horror movies. Also, Anton Yelchin showing up. I mm. love, I mean,
1: cut so short, but I love seeing Anton Yelchin, the few things that he uh, got to be in.
0: Yeah. Wow, one of the one of the actors who could have benefited the most from a stage name, Imogen Poots. Yeah, Imogen Poots,
1: and then uh, Aaliyah Shalcott, Sh- uh, I, th- I believe is how you. Yeah, used uh, her-
0: no, Alia Shakat. Alia Shalcott. No, so I didn't even get close. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, um, I mean, and, and a freaking phenomenal. Patrick Stewart basically oh doing, doing god, his best yeah. doing his best Heisenberg. I
1: mean how how they got him to show up for this movie is beyond me but god bless him. Yeah,
0: uh, if you haven't seen Green Room and you and you liked Inside, you're going to like Green Room. It's, it's on, on HBO Inside. as of or on HBO and uh Amazon as of March of
1: 2023. Yeah, go check it out.
2: Everyone you meet Oh, hold oh, a mistletoe Hung where you can see Somebody waits for you kiss yes, her once for me Have a humbly, jolly Christmas And in case you didn't hear oh, And this year...